we've been teaching on uh, the uh, Holy Spirit and, and, and doing things by uh, the Spirit. And what we want to do is uh, upset you up for another uh, or a continuation of this series and deal with the gifts of the Spirit. There are a lot of different you know, gifts, and um, uh, it is a wonderful thing to receive a gift because you don't have to work for it. Anybody like receiving gifts? I love receiving gifts. I love receiving gifts. And what we're going to call this uh, uh, series is Grace Gifts in the Body. Grace Gifts in the Body. Grace Gifts in the Body. I'm good. Grace gifts in the body. And before we uh, go to our text, what is grace? And what is a gift? Well, grace is God's empowering presence upon your life. Grace is God's empowering presence upon your life. His empowering presence upon your life. We, we also call it divine enablement. Divine enablement. It's not natural. Divine enablement. In other words, you got divine help. Divine enablement. You have the best help you can ever receive. Grace. Grace is also considered favor. 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 In other words, you don't have to have status or, you know, uh, 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 be in a certain place. You just need to be associated with the one who has access. Uh, see, that's what favor is. Because if I have a key to a door and you don't, but I unlock the door and I let you follow right behind me, I just extend it to you, favor. We thank God for his grace gifts because they do unlock things. They do unlock things. And anything from God that is a gift, he intends for it to be used. He intends for it to be used. So what's the world's view in terms of gifts? See, the world's view is I give you a gift. And you use it for yourself. It's, it's the world's view. Where I give you a gift, especially on my birthday. You know, because we say, whatever you want to do, I'm going to give you such and such. Do whatever you want to do for you. And, 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 and that's good. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. But God moreover is that. Because when God gives a gift, he expects you to use it for the benefit of others. And not for the benefit of yourself. So with the world, we get a gift, and we want to use it for the benefit of ourselves. But in the kingdom, when God gives a gift, because listen, he knows what you have need of. He will make sure you're taken care of. He intends for that gift that you've been given to be used for the benefit of someone else. 
We're going to take a test real quick. Oh, you, you, you ain't going to take a test. Uh, you, you got your number two pencils? We're going to take a multiple choice test, and I'm going to give you a question. There's only one question on the test, okay? It's only one question on the test. Here's the question. What's the best use of a spiritual gift? A, save it. B, bury it. Three, or C, neglect it. D, use it. Or E, none of the above. D, use it. Use it. But there are some of us who like to save it for those who matter. Just like a testimony. Because my apostle will, will get indignant with you if God does something for you and you don't tell nobody else. Why? Because a testimony means God wants to do it again. He will get up in your face, tell me what God did. Because I want to be encouraged, and I want to go encourage somebody else to say, God did it for this one. He can do it for you. Or we bury it. You just kind of, that's not really important. Some of us do bury gifts. Push it aside. I'm too old, or, you know, I once was there. I'm not feeling it right now. We bury it. Let somebody else use it. Let somebody else. But nobody is insignificant in God. He wastes nothing. He wastes no one. Or neglect it. Paul told Timothy, do not neglect the gift. In other words, I know it's there, and I know what it can do, but I choose to not do anything with it. In the IT world, I'm in IT. If you go through a security audit and you don't respond to a finding, and let's say multiple times, because in the banking world, you get audited yearly. Let's say you don't respond to that three years in a row. What will happen is if, if something happens because you didn't respond to that finding, uh, legally, you'll be deemed as one who simply, um, 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 it's called negligence. Where you knew something existed, you knew you needed to respond, you, need, you knew you needed to do something, but you failed to do it. it and, and actually, it's called gross negligence, where you just chose to not do anything. Paul told Timothy, do not neglect the gift. Because whenever we see God do something, or have seen God touch somebody's life, change somebody's life, and then we just choose to just, you know, kind of uh, passively go through life. And, and, and you know the answer to somebody's problem. But we leave it up to somebody else to uh, extend to them the answer or to help them. We are engaging in gross negligence as a believer. Didn't God touch your life? Didn't he change your life? Like he told the one, like Jesus uh, was given a parable about the individual who said, hey, Listen, I owe all of this stuff. Can you extend to me some grace? Because I don't want to really pay all that back. And he said, you know what? I'm going to forgive your debt. And I believe it was probably, uh, I'm going to forgive most of it. And all you need to pay is this. It was like that. But the same individual turned around and said, hey, give me what you owe me. Give me what you owe me. The point of that parable was Jesus was saying, listen, shouldn't you have forgiven that individual because I forgave you? I gave you a gift. 
You owed me. But I said, you know what? I forgive it. And you turned around, and you didn't want to forgive anybody else. See, this morning, I simply want to encourage you and admonish you, exhort you to use the gift that you're given. And we'll unpack this further. Our text this morning is coming out of Romans 12, 1 through 8. Romans 12, 1 through 8. And I'm going to read this out of the Passion Translation. But you can probably just put a pin, put a pin uh, right there. Um, let me just give an overarching you know, kind of premise. Proverbs 22 and 6, don't have to turn there. It simply says, train up a child in the way that he should go. And in keeping with his individual gift or bent. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. What's the point here? Before you were even, you know, here, God gave you an individual bent. A gift. Something that you lean towards more often than a lot of other things. Not that you can't do any other things, but, but there's a dominant bent, a dominant gift. We all have it. Make it your aim to find out what that is. Make it your aim to find out what that is because we all have it. And it, you know, it's, it's that thing that you were built for. It's why you were designed. That, you know, the, 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 the thing that you have a real keen interest in, you're bent your bent. Don't neglect your bent because God put it there. Never neglect anything that God put there. Never neglect anything that God put there. So before we go to Romans 12, I need to make clear these two distinctions because we confuse these all the time, okay? We confuse the word skill with gift, okay? We confuse the word skill with gift. What do I mean? Skills come from you. Gifts come from God in the context of spiritual gifts, okay? Skills come from you. In other words, if you want to learn how to play the piano, you have to learn how to play the piano. (laughs) You got to practice and poke and mess up and all of that. You have to build that skill. Gifts come from God. It works without your knowledge. (laughs) Knowledge simply enhances your ability to utilize the gift. But it's already there. You have it. You have a gift or gifts, a bent that is supernatural in origin. Anything that comes from God is supernatural. It's designed to work. As a matter of fact, a gift is, in God's context, a, a, a breaker. A gift is a breakthrough Whenever God is talking about something that he's given you, he wants you to use that to break up stuff, to break through stuff, to break into stuff, to break stuff down, to build stuff up. That's how powerful a gift from God is. And as Paul mentioned, we, you know, tend to, you know, think uh, certain gifts from God are just insignificant. And, and No, listen, uh, no, e- even the more seemingly unimportant ones are important than, than, than the more visible ones. Skills 
are taught, but gifts are given. I can teach you a skill. I can teach you how to use your Android, how to use your iPhone, because I get new questions all the time. I can teach you. But oftentimes, I just teach you how to use Google. But that's a different story. You can be taught, but gifts are given. Gifts can operate through a skill. It's important to know. Gifts can operate through a skill, which means it doesn't matter what you do. It's the gift that's, going, that's riding through it. Which is why you can be a baker that bakes some cookies. And the gift of God is touching people's lives through them cookies. Because you just bake them cookies so well. And every time you eat them cookies, they just change your life. <laughs> I liken that to, where's she at? Right here. <laughs> Elder K. Anderson's chicken salad. I'm so serious. She got ingredients in that salad that I believe she got from the Holy Ghost. Like, she mixed the sweet and the sour and the salty. I said, what in the world? This is a flavor bomb in my mouth right now. That's the Food Network terminology. And it changed my life to the point where I do the same things to my chicken salad, which I kind of eat, eat no more. But I started to put the same things in my chicken salad that she put in her chicken salad. That's how it's supposed to work. Here, here's what you need to know. Gifts can become outdated. I'm sorry, skills can become outdated. Skills can become outdated. In other words, there was a time where you knew how to use, um, going back, a uh, PDA, which was called a personal digital assistant. Now, since... In my family, we, you know, like techies, so we always had PDA. So basically, your phone, we called it a PDA about 15, 20 years ago, okay? Personal digital assistant. You keep your calendar, a little calculator, a little schedule. Man, that thing was boss, I'm telling you. But, but only those who were just into that kind of thing had it. But now everybody got what's equivalent to a PDA. Now... I can try to use that knowledge and skill on how to use a PDA. I can try to apply it to this tablet, and it won't work because it's outdated. But gifts are eternal. They have no shelf life, which means they work when you're young. They work when you're old. Why? Because spiritual gifts come from God, and God is eternal. He's not bound by time. Which is why you can see uh, uh, the gift on a child and they use that. Or you could be 90 and that gift is still working. And as a matter of fact, that gift is stronger because it has no shelf life. Which is why as long as there's breath in your lungs, you can make an impact. Collecting Social Security, retirement and all that. Yeah, that's, that's cool. But there's no retirement in God. And actually in the Hebrew culture, the word retirement does not exist. Because God is eternal. What you stopping for? <laughs> if God ain't stopping, I'm not stopping. You understand? Now, don't overwork to be rich. We just got through saying about rest now, okay? <laughs> but for real, 
The gift works at 23, 43, 53, 63. Because it's a gift from God. It's eternal. You do yourself a benefit to find out what that is. To find out what that is. Some have one, some have two, some have three. Gifts, gifts, gifts. Skills give you opportunity. They do. Skills give you opportunity. If you know how to do something, you can go get a job doing it. If you know how to do something, you can start a business doing it. Skills give you opportunity. But you know what? Gifts create opportunity where there is none. Where there is none. Which is why you want to lean into and find out what your bent is. Because when you think you're lacking, God is saying, you ain't lacking. I gave you a gift that creates opportunities where there are none. That can cause water to flow where there's dry stuff. That can, that can uh, 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 cause that which is dead to be made alive. Because it's a gift from God. It's called eternal life. Everything from God is life. It gives life to a, a situation. You want to find out what that is. What is the life, God, that you put on the inside of me? There's a seed of righteousness. God, God what is that? I, I need to be about using that. That's how you supersede instructors. Psalmist said, uh, 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 man, you may be wiser than my instructors. Because the gift is supposed to break stuff up. It's supposed to make a way out of no way. Gifts create opportunities. Skills just, you know, give you opportunities. Skills open doors. Gifts create them. So, let's look at Romans 12. There are a number of different gifts uh, that are identified in Scripture, uh, over 20 of them. But we'll just highlight this morning. Uh, what's considered supporting or motivational gifts in the context of the body of Christ that God has given to the body of Christ. So, Romans 12, and like I said, I'm reading in the Passion Translation, uh, so just try to follow along with your translation. I'll start at verse 1. Beloved friends, what should, we, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? Proper response. Proper response. Whenever God does something, there's always a proper response. When he gives something, there's always a proper response. I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God, to be his sacred living sacrifices, and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Doing what pleases him is an expression of worship. Worship is not just a song. Worship is, 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 is like even the work you do is worship. That's why whatever we do in word or deed, do it to the glory of God because that's reflective of your worship. Verse 2, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. Here's a letter that Paul is writing. 
verse 3. And then this is where we identify certain rules. Because the first, uh, the first three verses are so necessary to understand, so necessary um, as a foundation for utilizing these gifts. So verse 3 says, God has given me grace, Paul, Paul writing, to speak a warning about pride. I will ask each of you to be emptied of self-promotion and not create a false image of your importance. Instead, honestly assess your worth by using your God-given faith as the standard of measurement. And then you will see your true value with an appropriate self-esteem. With an appropriate self-esteem. The King James says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to. This is so vitally important, especially for the church, because these gifts are given to the church. Vitally important, because we can get puffed up. See, my Bible says knowledge puffs up. See, the more you give me, the more opportunity I have to be thinking, to think that what I got came from me. That I'm bad, boy. I'm the one. I'm the superstar on the squad. Because we love stars, because they sell tickets. We love stars, they bring in the money. We love stars, they bring in the money into the city. We love stars, superstars, those who, who, who people want to see. But we got to keep in mind, it is not our power. It is not our glory. It is his. It is his work. It is his will. It's his name at stake. Because this is so vitally important. Why? Because Peter says, God resisteth the proud, and he gives grace to the humble. That's a powerful key right there. You want grace? Get low. You want grace? Get rid of pride. You want grace? You want God's empowering presence upon your life? Submit yourself under the mighty hand of God. Not next to it, under it. And then... He'll lift you up and say, come on, walk with me. But first, I got to kill my will and submit myself to God. I say, God, your ways are higher. Your thoughts are better. I mean, you, 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 go, you do exceeding and abundantly, far above what I ask or think, God. You keep him in his place. Uh-oh, there we go. He said, keep flowing. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> We're good. Hallelujah. Before any gift of God can operate in the manner that he intends, we must submit to him. In the manner that he intends. Because when God gives a gift, he's not taking it back. So you can use the gift for your gain or his gain. Because we want the result that he intends not the result that we would like. That's why we have to submit to him. Because the word doesn't say, hey, I'm going to take my gift back. He said, I put it in you. I deemed you necessary to solve a problem here on the earth. And I wanted you here. He said, I wanted you here. I deemed you necessary. And God wants us to use his gifts in the manner in which he intends for it to be used. As opposed to the manner 
in which I think it should be used. I desire that it should be used. God, I, yeah, I can do this a little bit better than you. I got it. I'm cool. Because that's what can happen. We can start humble. But then shift into my own efforts and my own, like, look what I did. God, look what I did. See, that's what that grind culture does. That grind culture, because we're in a visual, we've always been visual, but it's all more um, easy to put, to put filters on, on what we show people. Filters in social media, filters in church. We put filters on everything. Filters in real life and in the digital world. Filters, 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 filters all day. We only show you what we want you to see. We want you to believe. We want you to interpret. Humility prevents you from taking advantage of others. These are things that we have to understand. See, we're laying foundation because, you know, for the next, I don't know, maybe uh, four, four to six weeks, we'll be teaching on uh, uh, gifts, gifts, gifts. But this is where it starts is humility. It keeps you from taking advantage of others. In other words, using the gift from God in a manner that manipulates others. Keeps you from using godliness as a means to financial gain. Because God will bless you. He will take care because he knows you have needs. He understands. But as Paul wrote, he said, some use godliness as a means for financial gain. Not, not, not a means to establish his will. Not a means so that his kingdom can be set up and his culture can be established. But a means for financial gain. Humility keeps you from using his gifts to satisfy your self-ambition. Because my ambition must be his. He's my stronghold. You know, or at least he should be. He's my aim. Not my tax bracket, but he's my aim. Not, you know, I'm believing God for marriage, 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 marriage. No, he's your aim. He's your aim. In everything, he's your aim. He's your aim. He's your aim. Think of yourself as God sees you. That's, that's what that verse is saying. Is to Think of yourself as God sees you. Not more highly, but think of yourself as God sees you. He sees you valuable. I said last week that each and every one of us has treasure. Has treasure. Whatever God makes, he puts treasure. Every person has treasure on the inside. Precious to God. Precious to God. No one is insignificant. We must understand it. That's why, that's why you've been given gifts for your life, but also as the, a church, we've been given gifts. And we'll tell you why. Verse 4, this is Romans 12. Bless you. In the human body, there are many parts and organs, each with a unique function. And so it is in the body of Christ. So if you accept Jesus Christ as Savior, you are in the body of Christ. And if you haven't, we invite you. For though we are many, we've all been mingled into one 
body in Christ. This means that we are all vitally joined to one another with each contributing to the others. Very important to note. This is why he's given the church gifts. There are many parts. There are many functions. Allow your part to be the part. Allow your part to be a part. Because when we allow our part to be the whole, thinking that, man, if, if I wasn't here, man, it wouldn't have happened. We glorify heroes. We glorify heroes, but we got to be careful because there's only one hero. Because who is a hero? A hero is a savior. And oftentimes we try to be savior, but we are not. We are parts of a whole in which Christ is the head of that whole. The proper perspective is so necessary so that his grace can abound towards you for every good work. That humility is so deep. We, we can do a series on that by itself. <laughs> Mingled into one body in Christ. We are connected. Look at your neighbor. Look at him. Look at him in the eye. <laughs> you connected to that one, to that person, to, to, to that man, to that woman, to that boy, that girl. You are connected. You connected. Look at him again and say, hey. <laughs> you connected. You connect it. In other words, if I belittle you, it's like I'm belittling myself. And actually, if I belittle you, I'm cutting my legs out from under me. We are connected. Scripture said it. Vitally joined together. Jo joined to one another with each contributing to the others. We are interdependent. In other words, it means you're mutually dependent upon one another. Mutually dependent upon one another. In other words, if I was to, um, if I was to put this on the ground, and I wanted to pick that up, and I wanted to use my hands to pick it up, and you just watch the whole motion, I'm gonna use my hand to pick it up. And put it up here. Because my goal is to put it up here. My goal is to put it up there. So I use my hand to bring it from down here. Are you watching? To bring it all the way up. Some may think, I'm a hand. Look what I did. But if you watch the entire motion, my hand was not the only one that helped me pick this bottle up. You know what took, you know what was necessary for me to just pick this bottle up? Do you have any idea the syncopated, coordinated activities that had to take place in order to just pick up this bottle? I needed muscles. I needed my knees. I needed my hips. I needed my back. I needed my feet. I needed my brain. I needed my elbows. I needed my fingers. I needed my eyes. Just to pick up a bottle. Who are you to think? Who are you to take glory? Who am I to take glory? Because my Bible says some water 
some plant, but God gives the increase. In other words, you work in the water, good. You work in the plant, good. You work in the pick up weeds, good. We need it all in the body. So the, so the hand can't get all big and bad. Look what I did. And the knee looking at him like, you wouldn't even got down there if I ain't squat. Or the legs are talking like, you know. And, and then that's how we get offended in the church. That's how we get offended. Because now we're comparing ourselves to one another, which is not wise. Because the knee is probably thinking, oh, man, it's a hand, man. They picked that up. Oh, my goodness. And, and the knee is not understanding that you helped the hand pick it up. But we want to be seen. We want to be seen. We want our part to be seen. Listen. I don't have to see my heart to know what's important. I ain't got to see my kidneys. Just be functioning, baby. Just be functioning. You understand me? I don't, I don't have to see my pancreas. I don't got to see my gallbladder. I don't got to see my stomach. Matter of fact, I'll pass out if I did anyway because I got a weak stomach, you know, ain't it? I ain't got that bent, you know. I ain't watching operation, you know, that kind of stuff, huh? Go ahead, Shay. That's all you. <laughs> He's a nurse. Yeah. All my nurses in here. Ain't Mutually dependent upon one another, which means Sister Debbie, Deborah. I had, I had to call Deborah because <laughs> she said, this is what you call me. You call me Deborah. She, she had to check me one time. Because God called her Deborah. So I said, I'm going to call you Deborah. Co. You are necessary. Absolutely necessary, Mom McGee. I, I need your part. I don't have to know everything that you do. I just need to know that you're doing it. Whatever your function is, Rachel, in the body of Christ. Because the local church is just an extension of the body of Christ. I need you to function. My life depends on your gift. My gift. Your gift. Mutually dependent upon one another. Mutually dependent. Make it your aim to find out what your gift is. Because what will happen is if I don't use my gift, the body will suffer. It, it, it won't be used to its maximum potential, if we could say it that way. In other words, if I wanted to pick this up, and, and the hand wants to, the head wants to, the back wants to, but we got them stubborn knees that's saying, eh. This is what it looks like when you neglect your gift, when you sit on your gift, when you bury it. You, you want to do something, and you're doing your part, but something is missing here. 
Why, why am I not able to? What's going on? I'm praying. I'm asking God, what's going on? I feel a call right now. The Holy Ghost saying, hey, wake up. Somebody is dependent upon you. I'm saying this to myself too. Lives are at stake. Where there's a man, there's a boy, there's a girl that's crying out, crying out. But the knee is offended, got some bitterness, don't want to be a knee. I'd rather be a head. So I'm not going to even be a knee. And as a result, you hinder the entire body. It, it just. But, but once that knee lets go all of the foolishness. See, there was a book written years ago that said, don't sweat the small stuff. Because it's all small stuff. <laughs> Compared to God. Well, that wasn't a title, but I added that on there. <laughs> it was a management book, you know. See, don't sweat the small stuff. It's all small stuff. Once the knee gets over himself, herself, then we can all work together to accomplish what God intends. And the body is whole and healthy. Man, we got a long ways to go. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. In the body, we are not effective by ourselves. In the body, we are not effective by ourselves. Proverbs says, he who isolates himself is not wise. I believe. No. He who isolates himself seeks his own desire. This is Proverbs. He wages war against all wise judgment. Another translation would say wise counsel. In other words, the more you think that you can do this by yourself, do God, because we learn it takes God to do God. That's why he gave you gifts. It takes God to fulfill his will. Everything good and perfect comes from him, which means if you want good in this world, you want God to be at the forefront of that good. And you want God to work through you. If you want good and change and a difference, you want that which is from God that's good to be injected into whatever problem, whatever difficulty it is. Why? Because there's grace attached to that. You use the gift that he's given you to solve a problem. His grace is attached to that, which means his empowering presence, which my Bible says who, whose power no foe can withstand. You want a fortified front? You want a fortified church? That's a church who has a people who have made a decision to use their gift as a part of the whole. Not for my own fame, not, not for my own glory, but to use their own gift. Because others are dependent upon me. And if the knee wants to be a knee sometimes, you, you, you're not really making much progress. Like Monday you want to be a knee, but Tuesday come around, you, you're trying to relax. Wait a second. What's going on here? 
You become ineffective when you work sometimes. If I'm a runner, well, let's put it this way. This happens to athletes. I mean, extremely gifted, physically athletes. There was one basketball player that, that won an MVP at 22 years old, like the youngest. Like, that's hard to do. But he has some injuries. See, you could be as gifted as you want, as skilled as you want. But if there's an injury to the body, you know, good for the team. Nothing personal, but we need you on the field to play. I can't do anything with p- potential energy. I can't do anything with that. I can't do anything with potential. But if the body is healthy and whole, you are useful. If you're doing your part, and my neighbor is doing their part, and so-and-so is doing their part, so-and-so is doing their part, we're all working together, we will exact a result that God intends. Why is it necessary that we all have parts? Because if you could do everything, you would be God. And you wouldn't need to depend on him. If I knew everything, I wouldn't need faith. I wouldn't need God. I wouldn't need to pray. I wouldn't need to worship because I can do it all. That's why he says, you know what? Just so that we keep the right perspective, I'm, I'm, I'm going to bring you to a body Surround you with people that meet specific needs. And they may do their thing at a 10 and do it so well. And you probably do it at a 5. It doesn't matter. You can learn and grow and use your gift for its maximum effectiveness as well. But just because somebody is doing and functioning and using what God has given them at a certain level doesn't mean that you are uh, not necessary. Because what happens is when one doesn't do their job, everyone else has to pick up the slack. Which means if my foot or leg has an issue, I have to shift my weight to my other leg. And I'm forcing it to do something it wasn't designed to do, which is carry more weight than God originally intended it to do. Which means I'll cause more injury. More injury. Just like a car. You get something that's kind of out of you know, don't, don't work, but you keep driving it, it's going to cause other parts of the car to start to fail and function because everything is interconnected together. What is the ultimate purpose of a spiritual gift? Write this down. To impact and strengthen the church so the church can thereby impact the world. Ultimate purpose of a spiritual gift, to impact and strengthen the church, the body, so the church can thereby impact the world. You're the bride of Christ. Christ wants his bride healthy, whole, strong, self-sufficient, possessing more than enough. To impact and strengthen the church so the church can thereby impact the world. To the degree that you've been impacted, you can thereby impact someone else. Which means at home base, if, my, if I'm not using the gift that God has given me to make sure my foundation is strong, my body is strong, I won't be as effective. I won't be as effective. I would want to make an impact, but 
but something is missing. Everybody has to work together. Everybody has to do their part, work their gift. Verse 6, we're still in Romans 12. God's marvelous grace imparts to each one of us varying gifts and ministries that are uniquely ours. So if God has given you the, the, the grace gift of prophecy, you must activate your gift by using the proportion of your faith, uh, um, the proportion of faith you have to prophesy. If your grace gift is serving, then thrive in serving others well. If you have the grace gift of teaching, then be actively teaching and training others. If you have the grace gift of encouragement, then use it often to encourage others. If you have the grace gift of giving to meet the needs of others, then may you prosper in your generosity without any fanfare. If you have the gift of leadership, be passionate about your leadership. King James says, he that ruleth. And if you have the gift of showing compassion, then flourish in your cheerful display of compassion. See, these are bents that God has given the church. Bents. Bents. See, there are some that, uh, like we said, they're called motivational gifts. That list, that's seven of them. And from a context standpoint, there's a lot of other gifts that can, you know, that can come out of those. But re- remember the difference between the difference between skill, skill and gift. Because I know how to do the sound, okay? A lot of people know that. That's a skill. It's not a gift. That's a skill. The gift, the King James calls it exhortation. As, as far as the Dudley clan, we amplify your message. That's what we do when we do sound. We amplify someone else's message. It's not our message. We amplify that message. Which kind of makes sense that the Lord would, you know, uh, uh, give me, you know, kind of a bent towards exhortation. Why? Because a musician, a worship leader, they're exhorting. And, and, and I've done that, but, and we're actually probably tra- tra- transitioning to identifying. But what happened was I was pointed out and said, come, do such and such. And I said, okay. So you can function in the gift and not know it. You can function in the gift and not know it. Church has bents. Now, can I operate in, in all these? Yeah. But there's a dominant bent. Because I was asking God when I met my wife, I'm like, you know, like, who is she? What is she? What's in her? She has the gift of mercy. Because that's what's listed within there. Um, this uh, 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 um, uh, a translation said, said compassion, but King James says mercy. In other words, when somebody is like hurt or really going through, their heart goes out to them. Goes out to them. See, that's how the, the Lord provokes the church to move, to do something. There are certain people within this ministry that, that they have the gift of serving. I mean, they just, you, you know, you, you don't have to ask them. They take initiative and they serve. And, and the, 
there are some that want to serve, but they don't do it to that degree. Where they'll be the first to be like, you know. We were at an um, uh, event yesterday, uh, the marriage event, and uh, the pastor was asking for those who were in attendance to help you know, break down, um, uh, you know, the tables that were set up and, you know, assist. And um, I already knew, yeah, I'm going to help, you know. Um, uh, because that's also a part of, you know, that particular gift just activating. Because we serve. In other words, you can see it. You see them before the event, you see them after event. Those are usually the ones that are operating in the gift of serving. They don't come when the event starts, and they don't leave before it's done. You see them before it starts, and you see them after it starts, after it's done. And my sister was there, and she said, you know, because we was, you know, breaking stuff down, she was like, we Dudleys. She said, we serve. <laughs> we help people. In other words, if nobody else in that room was like, hey, I'm going to help you, she said, you know what, I'm going to. I'm going to help. And I had that same resolve. Allowing that gift to flow. Same thing with teaching. You know, and I'm like, yeah, that's actually mine as well. Right? <laughs> wow. Right. Because it doesn't have to be just one, but there's usually a dominant. And, and, and then it flows in a different way, different manner. In other words, when she plays, see, the skill is playing, but what's happening is the gift is flowing through the playing. She has an exhorting gift, gift of mercy. That's how you can you know, kind of sense the presence of God because through the skill, God is ministering, allowing that gift to be activated. So let's just go here real quick, and we'll start to wrap it up. How do you identify it? My, my dominant gifting or even giftings. There are, uh, I guess, um, checklists or surveys or, you know, assessments, those kinds of things, and they're good in their context. Um, 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 uh, yeah, so they do work in certain, you know, instances and circumstances. Uh, but, but the first thing you always want to do is, 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 is through prayer, <laughs> ask the Holy Spirit to make clear what your giftings are. First things first, talk to God. Talk to him. Make clear what they are. And then as you go, God will um, uh, um, uh, um, cause those things to uh, uh, become real and, and rise up. Let me give you another example. Um, one said like ruling, um, uh, which is leadership. I had a uh, class back in school. It was a project management class, so we had to do a project for the entire class. In other words, you didn't do this project, you failed the class. And it was about four or five of us on a team, and I think he chose the teams. And there was an individual that, um, I guess he assumed the leadership role, and you know, he said, y'all, you, know, you do this, you do that, you do that, and I'll do this. So he basically took on about 70% of the work and then divided it, you know, the other 30% to everybody else. And uh, we were like, okay, cool. Because, you know, when you went to school, you want to do as less, much, as less work as possible to get the grade, so it was attractive. Yeah, go ahead, brother. Have at it. And um, the uh, time came where um, we needed to, to do the presentation. And he was a little ghost. He wasn't available. We couldn't like, kind of get in touch with him often. And this is the week of, and we're still trying to get in touch with this brother. What was going on? Like, we got to, you know, 
we got to find a project here. We failed this thing. We failed a class. I'm not taking this again. I'm not coming out $2,500 pay this. You know, I, I was getting indignant. You know what I'm saying? So um, uh, the day of, still can't get in touch with this brother. And he got all the work. He got the slides and everything. We had to make a presentation in front of the class. Presentation in front of the class. And about a half hour before the class, we sitting in the lab like, I don't know what we're going to do. Like, you know what we're going to do? I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know what we're going to do. But a gift rose up. And it was that gift of leadership. One translation may say to organi- organizing or, you know, um, uh, or ruleth. And I assume responsibility. And I said, you know what? We're going to still do the presentation. We're going to still get up there and say, this is what it is. And we're just going to diplomatically say it as if it's the real world. And I just you know, came up with a very you know, clean, you know, like, like polished way to say it. Um, um, you know, we experienced a fallout with our project due to uh, 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 deliverables not being com- completed or something like that along those lines. And um, uh, shaking my boots and everything, because I didn't know what was going to happen. I'm, I'm thinking, man, we're going to fail this class. But something rose up in me. I, I had peace in here, but the body was like, oh, my goodness. Flesh was like, yo, don't do nothing. Don't even go to the class. I was so tempted. We were so tempted for not going to the class because that was embarrassing. Everybody else had their project. Embarrassing. But something rose up that caused me to push past embarrassment. Push past whatever other feeling, push past whatever other, however it's going to look, whatever the grade is, whatever. I said, listen, we just got to present. Stood up there, presented, and it was like quiet. They're like, yo, they really didn't do this project. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, we explained the reason why. It it was clear that this brother just didn't do his work. But we were a team. So it just, we had to take one. And I, I, I didn't blame the guy. I didn't say any of that stuff. I just say, we experienced such and such. And we, we. Then I sat down. It was still quiet. And there was one brother sitting next to me. He was like, yo, man, that took a lot of guts, bro. <laughs> now, this, this is a lot of, like, evaluation. None of this was going through my head at, at the time. But what rose up was a gift of leadership. that pushed past whatever I was feeling. I didn't want to go to the class. I didn't want to stand up in front and say, I ain't get my project done. Because that I don't do that kind of stuff, you know. Like, this ain't me at all. Like, this ain't reflective of my character at all. Like, what in the world? But I had to stand up there and say, we ain't get it done. And I was at peace with it because it was the right thing to do. And God provoked me to step up. And God said, and after thinking about it, and this was probably some years later, God was like, that's what I call you to do, to step up. To step up when others aren't pulling their weight. And I do that to a fault sometimes. Well, I just do it. I just do it. If, if nobody else is, I just do it. But a strength overextended can become a weakness. Because he wants us all to work together. What am I saying? How do you identify? Well, gifts manifest when given opportunity. Gave you an example. In terms of doing praise and worship, I, I'm not a singer like that, okay? But, but and, you, and you have to understand the 
reason for uh, gifts from an office standpoint of apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, the fivefold ministry gifts that God has given to the church. Because as we learned, you can't know yourself by yourself. So what happened was the prophet pointed at me and said, come on, can you just do? And I was like, cool. I like music. Let's get it, let's get it popping. Turn it up. And just, just through there, I was further able to identify some things that were in there that I did not know was in there. But I was simply given opportunity. Given opportunity. Gifts manifest when given responsibility. In other words, I give you a job. In other words, if it succeeds or fails, it's your fault. That's what responsibility means. Where what's in you needs to come out. A demand has to be made. This is how gifts manifest. Because you may not know it all. But if you're working and functioning, that's a key. Working. Ecclesiastes says, whatever you find your hands to do, do it with all of your might. Because in your working, in your going, you will discover what's in there. You will discover what's in there. Because you may not know it all at the start. But as you go, God will reveal what he's put in there to you. He will reveal. And then, and then along the way, there will be those who will identify and say, you know what, you have this. You know what, you have that. How do I know, know that I have to get the exhortation? There was an apostle that came here. And he's, he, he, he saw me do what I do, like multiple times or whatever. And this was over time. And then he, you know, was doing something. He was uh, speaking um, uh, and doing something. And he pointed at me and said, you have the gift of exhortation. And then he read back the, re like, what it does and how it operates. I said, Lord, have mercy. I do. <laughs> but I didn't know that. But it was identified by another gift. Ah, gifts can help you identify your gifts. Apostolic gifts, ministry gifts can help you identify your gifts, it's, which is why you want to be connected to the body of Christ. Because those who we uh, serve under and who are leaders, they, they see from a higher projection, projection, uh, trajectory, uh, their peripheral is higher and wider. It has nothing to do with competence. It has everything to do with the position. You can have a third grade education level, but if I'm on the ground and you're on the roof, you will see further than me. <laughs> like if God took the third grade education and put you on the roof, you will see further than me, and I got 10 degrees. That's his purpose for leadership. That's his purpose for governors, to see further. I think I gave like two or three ways of identifying, uh, I guess four. You want to pay attention. Pay attention to your passions. We're always talking about follow your passion, your passion, your passion. It's your bent. The word calls it your bent, your gift. What makes you sing? These are great questions. Write these down. Pay attention to your passion. And then you can put it underneath there. What makes you sing? In other words, you rejoice when it's right. What makes you sing? What makes you cry? What breaks your heart when you see it? What breaks your heart? Because God will use a motivative gift to move you to action because it broke, it, because it broke your heart. Man, I got to do something here. That's how God can use those 
within the church to respond to somebody who, who just lost a loved one. Where others are trying to go on about their lives, God will prick certain ones' hearts that he's given them a gift of serving. To say, whatever you need, you know. Not because we like to say it. Let me know what you need, and then I'll respond. But when that gift is operating, they take initiative and say, I'm going to do this. You sit down. I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to take care of that. My mother operates in that. That's how God uses the body. Because there's, there, you know, of those seven, there's one that's so dominating that you wouldn't want to respond because God put that in you to respond. He gave you that gift. And don't think it's strange if you're the only one that probably responds to a certain degree, a certain level. God put that in you. That's okay. Work it. We need it. I need my wife. Because there's certain things that her heart will break for, and she'll reach out, and I, and, and, and I would say, yeah, we do need to do something. But she's already, like, down the road. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, baby, yeah, I'm coming. <laughs> because I don't see everything. I got help. <laughs> you know, because there's certain things that I, I would love to do because I like to give and help and all of that. But I'm just not as conscientious as I need to be. But she is. Thank God for the gifts working together. We fill in each other's gaps here. What makes you cry and what makes you angry? What stirs you up? Be angry but sin not. What stirs you up? Stirs you up. One thing that stirs apostle up more than anything is sickness. Oh, stirs him up. To the point where he responds. Strike up a conversation, start talking. Can I pray for you? You need those kinds of gifts. That provokes you to action. Keyword, provoke. Keyword is provoke. Because this church is supposed to be strengthened so we can strengthen others. Church is supposed to be impacted so we can impact others. So I believe I gave you four. Four or five. Four or five, yeah. Of just ways to help you identify what's in there. If you are joined to a church, get involved. If you're joined to a church, find your hands to do something. Find your hands to do something. Because as quickly as possible, get to a point where you know what is in there, what God has given you, what your bent is, your dominant giftings are, and be about that. Be about that, especially if you're here at Abounding Grace. Yes, we recruit. Leaders recruit. But, but, but hey, you know, uh, irritate us by asking, what can I do, what can I do, what can I do? We're going to give you something to do. Why? Because you're part of the body, and we need your part. We need what you have to offer. We need it. We need it. Man, you're so necessary. Man, you're so necessary. Ask God to give me a revelation of who is sitting before me, who's standing before me. Who are you? I don't know what you're going to do next year. I mean, like, what kind of impact are you really, really going to make when you walk out these doors? What's your life going to look like in five years, ten years? 
I don't know. But my prayer is that, 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 that God provoke us this morning to action. What does provoke really, really mean, though? It's, because we say it in a negative sense, and it's not negative at all. It simply means to stir up and to call it forth. Stir up and call it forth. I heard time and time again things that were inside of me from my father's mouth, from my pastor's mouth, from my wife's mouth, to provoke me to use what God has given, to use what God has given. Because when we say, hey, there's such and such in you, you could do this and you could do that, we're provoking you to use what God has given you. We're, we're provoking you to action, motivating you to be about it, to find out why you're here, answer those questions, and then be about it. Holy and acceptable, that's right. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on, stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ha- hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And what we want to do right now, we just want to just want to uh, uh, speak certain things because even within one of those seven, um, um, you saw yourself. And I'm going to read those back again. I'm going to read these back again because, you know, oftentimes you can catch things. But it's our responsibility as, as ministers to uh, pass something for you to catch. <laughs> And oftentimes we, we can pass things with our, with our words. A, a prophecy reveals truth by exposing sin so that fellowship with God can be restored or, and or maintained. You know, a gift of serving demonstrates love by meeting practical needs and usually through tangible work. A gift of teaching discovers and validates truth so that the church maintains accuracy. Exhorting encourages Christians to grow spiritually by discipling and teaching and counseling others. Giving conserves and shares resources in order to meet needs. Uh, a ruling or uh, leadership carries out projects by recruiting workers, organizing tasks, or delegating responsibilities. What a gift of mercy. It, it, it demonstrates God's love and compassion by responding to hurt. Where are you? Those who are in the body of Christ, identify yourself in there. And, and, and if you're unsure, be about inquiring of the Lord to find out. Get connected. Get connected. And whatever you find your hands to do, as you go, more will be revealed. More will be uncovered. It really, it, it really does. Listen, I'm a living testimony of that. I was just willing to do and help. But God had a greater plan. He said, I got gifts in there that I don't want you to just help and do. I want you to know what those are, and I want you to work them because my grace abounds. When you use those gifts. I, I had this image this morning. Paul, if you could, um, just as a model, come and stand right here so you can show everybody um, uh, a um, drill stance, an attention stance. Yeah. Look at him. Chest out. Head straight. Feet together. Everybody right now in this room. Attention. At Attention. Add attention. Add attention. Hold it strong. Hold it tight. Add attention. 
Everybody is standing the same way. See, see, this is how God sees it. He's seeing his army. He's seeing his people. He's seeing those who are equipped. They are ready. They are willing. They are able. Head straight. And as you stand at attention, I'm going to pray and provoke and call out gifts. And your posture of attention means I'm ready. Your posture of attention says, teach me, Lord, I'm going to go. Because he puts your feet on sure foundation. He keeps, he's the lifter of your head. See, your spirit man is actually at this attention. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. See, the flesh is slouching. The flesh don't even look like it wants anything. But the spirit is at attention, ready. At the unction of the Holy Ghost, ready. Right now, in the name of Jesus, every gift of prophecy in this room, I call it forth in Jesus' mighty name. That, that desire to embrace and speak the truth even if they have to stand alone. I call it forth right now in Jesus' name. The gift of serving those who put their hand to the plow, that they meet practical needs, that they see a need and they fill it, that they're not looking for recognition, but they serve because it must be done. We call forth those gifts of teaching, those who know how to break down complex things and, and make them understandable. Those who know how to feed others. Those who know how to nurture others. Those who know how to disciple others. We call it forth right now in Jesus' name. We call forth the gift of exhortation. Those who can lift up spirits. Those who have a word of life. Those who can, who, who can uh, 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 even do a thing. And it just makes all the difference. We call it forth right now in Jesus' name. We call forth the, the gift of giving God. Those who will give even the shirts off their very backs. Those who will go the extra mile. Those who won't do just enough. Those who will say, you know what? You have a need? Come on, stay at my house. Come on, eat my food. Come on here. We call forth those gifts of serving God. Hallelujah. We call forth leaders right now. Those, God, who you've touched their heart to be a forerunner. Those who you've touched their heart to start something, to establish something. To have others run alongside. We call forth those gifts in Jesus' mighty name. And every gift of mercy. Because your mercies are new every morning, Father. We thank you for your compassion and your mercy rising up through the gift of mercy, God. Through your church, God. God, we thank you right now for your original intent of your church. We bless you, God, right now. That your body is whole. That, that this assembly is whole. That this assembly is functioning in the manner in which you intended it to function, God. God, we thank you right now for full participation. For full participation, God. For an all-in mentality, Father. A desire, God. A mind to work. A, a mind, God. To take what you've given and multiply it. Not bury it. Not neglect it. Not save it. But use it to the praise of your glory. We give you glory, honor, and majesty, God. You get the glory, God, out of everything that we do, Father. We will do our part, God, and you will bring the increase. Come on, give God a praise one more time. Come on, give the Lord a praise.
Give the Lord a praise.